The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. preach a message uh, entitled the same as it was entitled uh, in 2010, about five years ago, when I preached a message called, Where is the Pineapple? This is a different message, and in, in most of it at least is different, from a different passage, illustrating the same principle, because today I'm, I'm principle preaching. And I'm going to go in the, in the book of Numbers today, in chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11, verse 1 through 10, I will read in a moment after I tell a little story that goes along with the title, Where is the Pineapple? When I had been, um, oh, I had been the senior pastor here maybe, uh, I actually don't know how long I've been senior pastor, a few years, and the uh, brother John Boucher was my assistant for so many years, 20 years, and, and he and I, I forgot, maybe it was his 10th anniversary here, and the deacons came up with a grand idea. What a, what a group of men. They said, well, why don't you and Brother Boucher and your two wives go on a cruise around the islands of Hawaii, all of them, and it'll be a 10-day cruise, and we spent about five days in Oahu, three days in, three days, two days out, and then 10 days on the ship. I, I'm a diver. My wife's a diver. We dove four or five different places around Hawaii. I was interested. 85% of all the fish in Hawaii are unique to Hawaii. And the reason for that is it's, a, it's further from land than any other island in the world. It's over 1,000 miles from any landmass. And so they didn't fear the fish could swim that far. Okay, well, you figure it out the way you want to. But uh, I didn't think their, their fish couldn't get away and new fish couldn't come. So I don't know what they got eaten in between that long distance. But anyway, we, we took a uh, tremendous cruise. You know, cruises can be one of the worst things you ever did. Weather can be bad. Food can be bad. Company can be bad. Uh, the seas can be bad. Or, or it can be one of the best vacations you've ever had where the seas are p- perfect, the weather's perfect, uh, the company's fabulous. And that was what the cruise that we had. First, we prayed about it. And the church underwrote the expense of that. For Brother John and uh, Darla and Kathy and myself, the expense of that was like $12,000 total. And we were humbled by that, that they would want to do that. Uh, and so they, they sent us. Uh, we flew to 
Hawaii and then landed in Oahu, picked up a ship there, went 10 days around the islands, and then stayed there, like I said, for another five days off and on. You say, what does that have to do with the sermon today? Well, you'll find out. Because I am constantly looking for ideas on how to illustrate old truths. How to have, I want new ideas to illustrate biblical truths. Why? What is a title? A title of a sermon simply is a handle on a cup. It's something you can grab a cup with, something you can hold it, the truth being the cup, the handle being the title. If somehow I can pierce through your short-term memory and get into your long-term memory by the Holy Spirit and, and what he has given me today, then you'll walk out of here and two hours down the road you'll still remember what we said in this room. If somehow that doesn't happen, I guarantee you two hours from now you'll have to think what the preacher spoke about for 30 minutes. And that's a sad case of affairs. After 30 minutes of somebody speaking, you don't have a clue what he spoke about. I mean, by the way, I hate to say this, but I've been asked what I preached on. And, and what you don't ask a preacher what he preached on that morning, don't do it. Because I sit there and go, man, you know, right now, I know it was the Bible. I was down in Key West one time, and I saw a sign, don't feed the dolphins, end up making a sermon around that. I saw a t-shirt down in Key West, said it's all about me. I ended up preaching that up at Bob Jones. Uh, I saw an ad by Arby's that said, do you, do, you love, uh, do you love cheeseburgers? And I preached a sermon that said, do you love Jesus like you love a cheeseburger? Half the congregation said, amen. Uh, I looked at a, I preached a sermon called Beware of the Coming Storm from a boating event that I had in the Keys. I, I, I stood beside a woman one time that so magnetic, so pulled me, so uh, just grabbed my spirit to, to look at her. I preached a sermon called The Magnetism of Sin. Uh, I read an article one time by a bunch of computer geeks and I preached a sermon called Paradigm Shifters, A New Kind of Worm. That was for you, Abdiel. <laughs> I worked in construction. They got signs on construction, steal a nail, go to jail. That was one of the sermons I preached. From being a floor covering mechanic, I titled one of the messages I preached was, The Mark of a Good Mechanic. It's not whether you make mistakes, it's how you fix them. Amen. All the mechanics said, Amen. Uh, I, I um, went fishing with Brother Bob Rose, uh, or around Brother Bob Rose, and, and he had a t-shirt that said, Shut Up and Fish. That was the title. And I went on this Hawaiian cruise. Brother John and Darla and I went on this cruise, this 10-day cruise. The ship was luxurious. The service was absolutely impeccable. The courtesy was exquisite. The weather was gorgeous. The food was simply the best food I'd ever eaten. We had a ship-wide opportunity uh, came over the loudspeaker that we could actually meet one-to-one -one the captain of the ship and the chef. Now, there were 1,750 guests on this ship. And so, man, I told my wife, we have to go to this. We have to go to this meeting. I hope there are not too many people that go to it. It was in a room towards the front of the ship. And we all gathered in that room at a certain time, and I saw the captain, got to shake hands with him. And that's a big deal. By the way, a captain of one of those ships, that's some serious responsibility 
when you had, he had 3,000 crew members and 1,750 guests, almost 5,000 people on that ship that he was responsible for totally. And man, I thought, man, I get to meet this guy. He had been a captain for a number of years, but one guy I wanted to meet was the chef. The chef, what does it take to become a chef on a cruise ship? I mean, what kind of credentials do you have to flash around before those folks hire you? Well, we got to sit there. I was in the second row in. They were the, the captain and the chef up in front of us. Uh, we were sitting in the second row. Um, the chef was in her, you know, the captain introduced himself, told us all the years of qualification, how many years he had to sail, and how many licenses he had to have, and how much finally before he could become the captain of that ship. And that was impressive to me, no doubt. And then it became the chef's turn, and he got up there and he says, I was a chef in such and such a famous restaurant for a number of years, and then I got transferred over and I became the chef of all these other restaurants, and then I eventually became uh, hired into this uh, Norwegian cruise lines and became the chef of, of this uh, fabulous ship, and we feed 5,000 people every day. And, the, and he started talking about how many pounds of beef that he cut up every day and how many pounds of pork and how many pounds of vegetables and what man I just couldn't believe the ship carried all that stuff and how they ground all that up like in a puree kind of a thing and fed it to the fish all the leftovers so nothing went to waste the human waste they kept on board however just wanted to let you know that Um, there were some people sitting in front of us there uh, so what did I come? Well, by the time I heard those two guys, I said, the captain, he's overqualified. I mean, he's so qualified, it's phenomenal. The chef, he's phenomenal qualified. I mean, man, no wonder this food. By the way, on a ship, I saw a guy beside me get lobster. He ate a whole lobster. Then he asked, he asked I want another one. He gave him another lobster. Brought him, and he said, I want another. Give me a third lobster. He ate a third lobster. And the guy said, I will feed you lobster until you can't eat any more lobster. No, and no extra charge. That's what that whole deal is about. It's about eating. Well, there was a Q&A time, and that was the part I was looking forward to. And there was a little old lady to my right, as I remember it, and she raised her hand, and, and, and he said, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. And in, in, a, in a grouchy-sounding voice, she asked, why on a Hawaiian cruise is there no pineapple available? She said, I have looked and looked all over the ship and cannot find any pineapple. What is going on? Now you could, if you've ever seen a deer in the headlights, that chef, you could have smacked him and it wouldn't have surprised him anymore. The captain was like taken back. This, this, honestly, this had to be the first time they ever even heard anything like this. Because the chef said to the, or the captain said to the chef, there's no pineapple? <laughs> and the chef says, uh, uh, you know, he couldn't talk. He, gained, he regained his composure. And he said, ma'am, ma'am, just this morning, we cleaned 
1,500 pounds of pineapple and have distributed it to every restaurant in the ship, to every buffet bar in the ship, to every place in the ship that you can get any kind of food. There is fresh and has been fresh since the time you boarded the ship. There's been fresh pineapple everywhere. And he said, ma'am, if that's not enough, on a ship, if you don't know this, I'm going to help you, you can call room service at any time, 24-7, and we will bring you as much pineapple as you ask us to bring you, we will bring it to you. He stops. Poof, the woman huffs. Well, I sure haven't been able to find any. After witnessing this brief exchange, the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear, Bill, that's just like my people. After all I've done for them, that's what they say to me. What blessing? Where's the blessing? Take your Bibles to Numbers chapter 11. Let's read 10 verses there of an excerpt of the book of Numbers. Now, to prepare this sermon, I surveyed the entire book of Numbers. I'll give you a little summation of it after we read these 10 verses. When the people complained, Numbers chapter 11, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it. And his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And he called the name of the place Taberah, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, Where is the pineapple? Who shall give us flesh to eat? You could put, where's the pineapple in there? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, ooh, and the garlic. Must have been Italian. But now, but now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this Angel's food. Hello? They were eating angel's food. The Bible calls it manna, right? Beside this manna before our eyes. And the manna was a coriander, coriander seed and the color thereof, the color of a bedellium. And I can tell you, whatever color that is, that's a good color. Because this, in the, in the Hebrew, I will mention to you what, what this was in the Hebrew in a minute, in verse 8. The people went about and gathered it and ground it, in, in, that is the manna, the angel's food, in mills, and beat it to mortar, and baked it in pans, and made cakes of it. And a taste of it was as a taste of Krispy Kreme. Right off the oven. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, manna fell upon it. And Moses, look at this, verse 10, and Moses heard the people weep throughout their families. Every man in the door of his tent, in the privacy of his home, 
And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. Bob Jones Sr. said, I didn't hear him say it, but I have read his sayings. And one saying, when I went to Bob Jones for seven years, that sunk into my mind, and I have never really forgotten, when gratitude has died on the altar of a man's heart, he is well nigh hopeless. You have that. When gratitude has died on the altar of a man's heart, he is well nigh hopeless. You do not want that to be you. You don't want to be the woman in the ship in the midst of all those blessings of around her, pineapple everywhere she walked, everywhere she went on the ship, and she can't see it. She can't see it. The children of Israel coming out of Egypt, which is a type of the world, had a bad, bad infection. They caught it in Egypt, uh, and they never really got over it. The world is never satisfied with anything for long. Now, I'm not talking about not making progress, because some people say, well, when you, the Bible talks about and to be content and everything, that, that, how do you ever make progress? No, the Bible's for progress. The Bible's for moving forward, but in truth, with a grateful spirit. The Bible says we're to be content with such things as you have. Why? Because the things you have have been given to you from God. And if you're not content with those things, who are you really upset with? Do you believe that there is a sovereign God that has control over everything? Amen. Yes, he's given us a free will. Yes, he allows us to move about, make decisions. But he knows the beginning and the end. He knows the decisions you're going to make before you make them. I'm not talking here where the Bible says, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. Israel murmured about everything. If you look at survey the book of Numbers, you'll see they, they murmured about the water. They murmured about no food. They murmured, murmured about not having the right kind of meat or meat at all. They murmured about the Krispy Kreme, the manna from heaven. They murmured about Moses being gone up into the a mountain of God in Sinai too long. They, they murmured to Moses taking too much a leadership on himself, Korah, and over 250 leaders. Now, we're talking about leaders. We're, not talk we're talking about the best of the best of those folks. 250 men rose up against Moses and said, you've taken too much on yourself. You're, you're, you're too much of a dictator. You're too much of a leader. We can do just what you can do. We're the people of God, too. We have God just like you do. Well, how did God react to that? He killed every one of them. Giants, they, they, they complained about the giants. They, they complained about Moses marrying an Ethiopian woman. Miriam and Aaron, his two trusted confidants, complained about that to the place. Miriam became full of leprosy, white as snow. What did God try to teach him? Leave Moses alone. He's my, he's my responsibility. They were missing the leeks and the garlics and the melons of Egypt. All the while, they were in the midst of the best Almighty God could give them or would give them. They saw the ten plagues. 
They saw the greatest nation in the world, Egypt, destroyed. They got released from slavery that there was no way were they ever going to be released except God came in. They saw uh, the false gods of Egypt one by one. According to Numbers chapter 33 verse 4, God took the, 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 the gods of Egypt one by one and every one of those ten plagues destroyed one of the gods of Egypt starting from the lesser God ending up with a God of life and killed and destroyed everyone proving that those were not gods at all, that he was God and there was none else. They got to see that. They got fire to guide them by night and cloud to guide them by day. They got to cross the Red Sea on dry land and see that water on the left side and on the right like, like mountains on both sides of them. They got to have free food. They got to have lifetime guarantee on all their clothing and shoes that wouldn't wear out. I know you woman, women would not be happy with that right up front. One woman said, well, no wonder they complained in the 40 years in the wilderness, same outfit all that time. They're guaranteed victory. They were guaranteed by God's security. They were guaranteed wealth. They were guaranteed life. They were guaranteed liberty. They were guaranteed the pursuit of happiness. Come on. They had no reason to complain. They had no reason. They found the one thing they didn't like. And that's what they dwelled on. Brother, God is, if you're in a bad shape today, you've got a lot to be thankful for. If you are in, if, you, if things is so, supposedly have turned against you in life, you've got a lot of good things to think about. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, that if it's true, if it's honest, if it's just, if it's pure, if it's lovely, if there's any good report, think on these Things, brother. Focus your mind. It's a choice. I believe our attitude as we go through this life is a personal choice that you can make. I don't think you have to get up grouchy in the morning. You can let her sleep. You don't have to get up grouchy. You don't have to get up grouchy. Oh, you don't know, Brother Bill, I'm grouchy in the morning. It's a stinking, rotten, filthy habit. You made a decision years ago to start getting up grouchy, so you got in the habit of getting up grouchy. I, I will say this, it may take you 40 days to get over it. Because the habit gets deep in your soul. And when you decide not to get up grouchy, you're going to find everything in the world go wrong that mo in the morning. That next morning you get up. You know what I mean? This is not going to be. But if you say, I'm not going to be grouchy by the grace of God, I'm not going to be grouchy, I'll guarantee you the Holy Spirit will come up beside you because he is the holy paraclete, those, he who walks alongside of you, and he will empower you because we're supposed to be of a grateful spirit. We're supposed to be of a thankful spirit. And instead of being of a critical spirit, You'll have a thankful spirit because God wants you to have it. And you and God make a majority. Amen. If God be for me, who can be against me? You don't have to look at the negative stuff. Man, isn't there enough negative stuff? Do you not have enough trouble? We base our choices on faith in who God is and what he says he'll do. 
Don't give in to your carnal nature. Walk in the Spirit. And the Spirit's not grouchy. The Spirit's not critical. Mary Magdalene, perfect example. Jesus had mercy. If he didn't want to be critical of her, did he have a little bit of material? The woman caught in adultery, John 8. If he wanted to be critical of her, the only one in that whole group that could have condemned that woman caught in adultery was Jesus. He was the only one that could do it. He was without sin, cast the first stone. He was without sin. He could have cast the first stone. He chose not to. He chose to have mercy. He sensed that she was repentant. Go and sin no more. That's repentance. He would have never condoned her to go and sin again. He did not condone sinning in that passage. He always condemned sinning. Why? Sin is what sent him to the cross. Don't let your natural inclination to gripe, to pick, to criticize, to agitate, to irritate, to exasperate, win. Decide. Oh, this is good. Decide you will be known for your cooperative and peacemaking spirit. Hallelujah, glory to God. Woo! Decide that you will be known for your mercy. Did you know the Bible says mercy triumphs over justice? It's easy to take the law out and say you're guilty. But it's a whole different ball game to say I, I give you mercy. We're supposed to have mercy by the grace of God. We're supposed to be children of mercy. We're known because we've had the mercy of God placed upon us through Jesus Christ. It would make sense if we are recipients of the great mercy of God that we would give mercy. Does it make sense to you? Not be critical and condemning and, 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 and uh, stonewall with people. Don't lose. Don't lose God's blessing. In your life, if, if you learn anything from the book of Numbers, you'll learn that if you complain, even in your home, even in the quiet of your own room, even by yourself, God hears you and it displeases Him and He will judge you for complaining. Well, I'm just speaking my mind. Don't do it. A fool speaks his own all his, all his mind. Just because you think it does not mean you've got to say it. In fact, do us all a favor. Don't do it. Be known for being a peacemaker. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Theirs will be the kingdom of heaven. Don't be known to be the rebel, the troublemaker, the destroyer. You'll be known by your doings. You will. Please God by being thankful, by being grateful, the positive, Looking at the brighter side, brighten the corner that you're in. Have the banner of unity and victory over you. When people, when you walk in a room, people say, "Boy, I'm gonna be encouraged, man." I've always get encouraged when I get around this person. Hey, I've been guilty of being negative. I've been guilty of being on the downside of it. I've been guilty about being on the wrong side of the issue because I got a carnal nature, and that's the nature that does that. I've been I've been guilty of being unmerciful. But then they, I realize, as I read the Bible, especially as the Word of God washes over me, I realize that's not where God wants us to be. It doesn't mean we don't stand against sin. Absolutely. Jesus stood against every sin. He condemned every sin. 
He never sanctioned any sin. Boy, he wasn't anything like the Pharisees, was he? No, he wasn't like them at all. There's been a lot of Korahs. And most of you remember, Korah came up against Moses with the 250 elders and opposed him. There's been a lot of Korahs come through Gospel Baptist Church. By the way, I've had a lot of Korahs come through this church, and, 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 and every one of them up to this moment have been dead wrong in their prediction that everything here was wrong or this was wrong or predicted doom and gloom for Gospel Baptists. They prophesied dark, dank things were going to happen if Pastor Lifetail became the pastor of this church. I had a deacon come to me when I first became senior pastor and said, you know, you're going to ruin this place. Later, he came to me, 10 years later, and said I was wrong. God bless him. He got free from that. You know what I told him? Pray that it don't happen. I'm not overly confident in myself. I'm only confident in the God that I serve. I don't have confidence in the flesh. I'd be a fool to have confidence in the flesh. But I'm just a, a sinner saved by the grace of God, struggling on day by day to serve Jesus and do the right thing. The naysayers have been through here, trust me. And then they've said, oh, your music's going rock and roll in five years. You'll be doing rock and roll. Well, did you hear the music this morning? By God's grace, we just keep on plowing, doing the right thing, lifting up our, our heads like a chicken taking a drink of water going, thank you, Jesus. We are in the midst of the opportunity now. This is Beulah land now. The, the, the ability has been given to us by God now. His grace has been laid out upon us now. His power is here now. Don't let our captain hear you say, Where is the pineapple? You know who I felt sorry for that morning? Her husband. <laughs> I thought, oh, you poor soul. Because it looked like they'd been together a long time. You know what was sad about it? He wasn't surprised. I looked over at him, he was just to my right and with her, and I said, oh, brother. That woman was in the midst of 1,500 pounds of fresh-cut pineapple. And all she could say was, there ain't no pineapple anywhere. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. We're in the midst of the blessings of God right now. God's Holy Spirit has been merciful to us right now. He's given you ability to be out of the hospital this morning right now. You're in Beulah land. Don't be in Beulah land saying, 
I hate these Krispy Kremes I've been eating every day. Because trust me, you may end up being like what Moon, Brother Moon and I are. There's not a Krispy Kreme, but from here to Orlando and here to Miami. Brother, if I, ever, if I ever get out of the ministry, I'm starting a Krispy Kreme in Fort Myers. I'll guarantee you a Krispy Kreme located across the street. But you know, doesn't that show the old nature of man? What does that passage read trying to tell us? You can be in the midst of, the, of God Almighty Center. And let me tell you this. If God let the old evil nature go to heaven, it'd corrupt heaven. In the midst of the gold streets. You know what I'd hear? I'd hear some of them old girls go, Now that light bothers my eyes. That reflection off that gold, that is that that just you got to you got to grind that doll. You say, Brother Bill, you're gonna get cataracts someday and you're gonna know what that's like. You're right. I hope I live long enough to get cataracts. And I'll probably be sitting here going, Whoa, that light's bright. I know it's real. But you know. Let's, let's get on the positive side of life. Man, shake yourself. Shake yourself. God is anointing and blessing. And, and God is going to help us in the future. Why? Because we're on His, we're, 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 we're His children on His side seeking to follow His word. We're not perfect children, but we're children with a purpose to serve Him and to do His will and, and, and get, join arms with us and, 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 and help us. Don't tear us down. Don't hurt us. Encourage us to keep going. Keep going. Let me tell you, a word of encouragement goes a long way. I try to encourage my wife every day, all the time, regularly. She's getting old. She is. She's getting old. I, t- I can see it's harder for her to do the laundry than it used to be. It's harder for her to do the dishes than it used to be. It's harder for her, her to cover the wrinkles. And you know what I tell her? You are so beautiful to me. That's right. Let me tell you, man, you got an opportunity to be positive with your woman. Be it. Be it. Don't look at one little thing that you don't like about her and dwell on that. Dwell on the good things, brother. Dwell on the Beulah land. This goes all over your life. This goes all over your life. Some of us need a check up from the neck up. We need to get rid of stinking thinking. And we need to get on top of life and say, God, help me to do and to look at the positive things by your grace. And the negative things are real. Yes, they're real. If we can fix them, we will. But we're not going to go around and destroy all the good for a couple, two, three bad things. Father, help us today. Help us, help us, help us. We need your help. Because we're prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We're so prone to... Literally, the Bible says if you bite, if you bite at each other, 
you will devour each other. God have mercy, help us not to do that. Help us to look at the bigger cause, the bigger picture. And help us to praise you in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. May gratitude not die in our hearts. I know there's some marriages in this church that have been on the dark side of life. You've been on the negative side. You've been picking at each other. You've been looking at your spouse and you've been looking at everything that the spouse does wrong, both directions. And you're just about ready to fold up and call it quits and go down and get a lawyer. Let me tell you, it's not your spouse. It's you. It's you. The next spouse will have other problems that you'll pick at and leave. And then the next spouse will have another kind of problem that you'll pick at and leave. It's the picking that's the problem. God, help us. Save some marriages. Save some children. Save, save Gospel Baptists for becoming a critical body of people. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody that lives about us Says tear that lighthouse down The big ships don't sail this way anymore There's no use in its standing ground Then my mind goes back to that stormy just in time I saw the light Yes, the light from that old lighthouse That stands upon the hill And I thank God for the lighthouse I owe my life to Yeah.